Welcome to Prince Track by Track presents Midnight Vultures Track by Track. Today we'll be talking about Hollywood Freaks, the fifth track from Midnight Vultures, released on the 23rd of November 1999, written by Beck Hansen, uh, and they are credited, of course, solo as John King and Michael Simpson. Uh, but on the producing credit, they are produ- they are credited as the Dust Brothers, and they co-produced the track with Beck. Uh, on the track, we have Beck doing lead vocal and bass synthesizer. And then on backing vocals, we have Arnold McCullough once more, Valerie Pinkston. And then on bass, of course, there is Justin Meldell Johnson and uh, Roger Joseph Manning Jr. is on synth. And of course, the Dust Brothers produ- provide programming and scratches, which of which there are quite a lot on this particular track. The track is 3 minutes 59. Joining me to talk about it is Russell Eyring. Hello, Russell. Hello. The production on this song is quite interesting because you have... Um, you have quite a lot of bass, to be honest with you. This, you know, Beck is, has got this bass synthesizer, plus you have the main bass, plus then on top of that you also have the synthesizer and there's programming on top of that. So there's a lot, like, it, the song feels very kind of, like, weirdly artificial. Um, and then, like, the, particularly in, like, there's something that Beck does with the, this one line that he sings earlier in the, the song, which is the, uh, do you want to feel this, which he sings the first time. And then towards the end of the song, it's done by like a, I mean, it sounds like a robot voice, but obviously it's just Beck's voice treated. Yeah. But it's the fact that he kind of, he uses that line, but treats it a different way. Um, You know, and I don't know, like it's called Hollywood Freaks, but like, I don't feel like there's much in the kind of main hook that really is about Hollywood Freaks. (laughs) I mean... Um, you know, like he, he talks about this kind of, you know, I want to know what makes you scream, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but it's like, I don't know, like the, the phrase Hollywood freaks is only kind of mentioned in passing. I feel I like, I don't, I don't know how that, that really works as the kind of the main theme of the song. Um, you know, although there's a lot saying that I was, <laughs> there's a lot of kind of weird things that Beck does in here, like the whole, you know, zero to tutti frutti automatic bazooty, like, there's all that kind of stuff, which I think, you know, obviously we're going to get into, but I don't know, like in terms, I think lyrically, this is like a really kind of interesting song just because Beck seems seems to be almost kind of doing a parody of a certain style of rap. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, to but me, it, and actually uh, the, the sort of lisp on uh, what, so what, um, it makes me, <laughs> I, I was, so I was re-listening to the song and I was like, I guess I just I, I knew that voice was there and I had I, like from you know I've been listening to this album since 1999 and I you know I immediately was like oh okay this is like kind of a rap parody like I get it but I I was sort of like it really wasn't until last night that I was like what is that lisp and then I kind of remembered <laughs> that like Mace um, had a lisp um, and and so like. Yeah. And, you know, that is sort of this, I feel like that's the vein of rap this is specifically kind of poking fun at, is that kind of like Puff Daddy Mace type uh, song, like Mo Money Mo Problems type thing. And he had a little bit of that lisp that would kind of come out. And and there's that just that kind of little bit of nasaliness too, like, oh, you know, like, (laughs) so I don't know. I mean, it's probably not one specific person that he's mocking as much as it is sort of a an amalgam of different weird characteristics he's he's picked up but 
it's clearly a character from the start you know like (laughs) the kind of voice is like unlike his usual singing voice so that's it is it is like he's adopting uh or adapting this character for the for the song it feels like you know now you say mace like his entire like style of like sleepy rapping Mm -hmm. does seem to fit with what's going on in this song so that does it does feel like that is it's got to be a direct reference in some way yeah Um, and there's like kind of that sort of like chime sample or like you know it's just very like that that's was very much it fits in with the kind of samples i feel like were happening in the the early 2000s and late 90s that that like like i don't know (laughs) it's just it's just like immediately when i hear it i'm like yes i know this song i know what this is (laughs) a lot a lot of uh well i i mean i guess it kind of it fits with i mean i don't know like i feel like kind of 70s does kind of like that kind of like that style does kind of fit with this song like the whole you know like there's so much kind of like uh well i mean i believe at the time he was i don't know he might have been p diddy he might have been puff daddy yeah. who remembers the order in which sean coombs named himself yeah these days. i think at that time he was still um, pretty much puff daddy but it, i think it was it he was probably was shortly yeah. after he was he was going on a real <laughs> tour of of names uh which of course in bad boy for life they had ben stiller come in that video and kind of make fun of the name change yeah. Um, so that so that Sean could show everyone he's he's not completely serious. He's willing to make fun of himself. <laughs> um, <laughs> but this is a guy who used to employ two different people to carry umbrellas for him. Right. So, you know. Uh, but yeah, like kind of the whole chic sampling type culture. I feel like that does kind of fit in here. There is no. It's interesting because there is no direct sample on this track. There are other tracks on on this album which do have direct samples. This doesn't have a direct sample. This is all this is all Beck and the Dust Brothers kind of producing this this yeah. kind of um, you know this sound. Um, but I mean, you know, even which, like it is... that that the idea of like sort of uh, something that sounds kind of seventies, um, you know, like like Mo Money Mo Problems, I think is the one that samples like Diana Ross and and you know like so those yeah. samples that are callbacks to earlier was also very much like of the time too you know that's that's pretty common to have those samples of of you know 20 years ago it's like a safe distance (laughs) yeah although i mean it does kind of blow my mind a little bit because obviously you know uh with puff daddy sampling i'm coming out like if you were to sample a song today that was the same age when he sampled that you would be sampling something from around the same time as midnight vultures so we are kind of that distance away from it uh as they were from the 70s um so yeah you know we open with this uh this what say what in this this kind of weird uh well we're gonna have to label it like a, a mace lisp now uh, because i feel that's what it is um and then we have we have this kind of uh like i like <laughs> i i love that 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 beck is sticking to like simple rhyme schemes but the what he's saying is so kind of weird that it doesn't really bother me. Like sometimes when rappers are kind of like, you know, if someone else were to to rhyme everything this way, I would be really annoyed. But the way Beck does it, he's like, particularly the fact that he starts off just like saying hot milk, and I'm like, what on earth? And that <laughs> it is such <laughs> like, a weird it... idea. Hot <laughs> yeah. milk, but said yeah. as if he's saying like, I don't even know what. Like it's said with such like confidence and like. Mm, like I've just named the baddest ass thing you've ever heard, <laughs> but it's hot milk. Yeah. I mean, he will kind of get into this two lines from this, but like 
there's a lot of rap that was just listing expensive drinks. Like that was right. a thing that was for some in the late nineties. That was a thing that people were constantly doing. Yeah. They were telling everyone about the Tanqueray or Cavorsier or you know whatever they were drinking. They were telling people about the expensive drinks they were they were drinking. So you know he he kind of we get this this combination throughout this song of. Um, you know, the freak side, I guess you would say, combined with the Hollywood sign. So he starts off saying, well, I mean, I do love the little, he's still kind of doing the list when he does the, mm, tweak my nipple. Like, yeah. There's still a little tiny bit of that in there. And then he goes, my sh- shamans go cripple. Yeah, I think he says uh, shamans is, go cripple. Yeah. Yeah. Shamans. Sorry. I, I, it's my pronunciation. Though. Yeah. Dropping yeah. Into it. <laughs> um, and then, and then he sings the line, my sales go triple, um, <laughs> you know, which I, I don't know. I like, this idea of like mixing up like tweak my nipple, shamans go cripple, <laughs> champagne and ripple. Like, I guess champagne and ripple maybe is a kind of I don't know. Like you have like raspberry ripple, so maybe he's hinting at mixing champagne with raspberry ripple. I have no idea um, what that's supposed to mean. I mean, <laughs> it's certainly not. At least like I, I mean, I, I did not have Beck's experience, but I can say from an American perspective, like I don't think anyone here would see champagne and ripple and be like, oh, of course that old combat like. I don't it's <laughs> like I don't know what it's supposed to mean. Yeah. Um and then I I like the fact that he kind of he does he does a few things in this song where he he uses um I, I like to call it one step removed rap where instead of saying um that he has stupid beats, which of course would be mean stupid good beats, he says we drop lobotomy beats. Like that's how stupid the beats are. That's how good they are. Is they've been lobotomized. That's how... and so I I love I love when like there are some rappers who do have that kind of thing where they will do that where they'll they'll rap in a way where they take a common phrase and then they take it one step further and you're like oh like I understand exactly what he's saying there like he we drop lobotomy yeah. beats is just like it's like yeah of course that's how that's how that's how good your beats are they're that stupid. And it's just such a wonderful turn of phrase. <laughs> and then, like, also just, like, incredibly dark, too. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's that sort of... There's, like, something under, like... The the whole, like, uh, through most of this album, but this song especially, there's, like, the undercurrent of, like, this is gross. Like, ugh. Like, it's, like, this thing that's, like, somebody presenting something really sexy to you, but is, like, so nasty and gross. So, like, there's lots of just, like, imagery that's mixed with these things of, like, even, like, the proximity of, like, nipple to cripple. Like, it's just all, like, ugh. Like, there's something always just gross under the surface or sometimes on the surface in these songs. Yeah. Um, And then even, again, we're into the kind of puzzling phrases where he says evaporated meats on high-tech streets. We go solo, dance floors and talk shows. Now, I, I think the interesting thing with the like the solo, um, I then this is interesting because of course you know uh, there was an episode of Prince Trap by Trap we did on a Prince song that was called Solo, and I think he's mm, used yes. he's using the same kind of thing where he's talking about how low he's going to go, but also mm. the possibility that he will be. I mean, he's already talked about his sales going triple, so he's he's also kind of maybe referencing the idea that. You know, whoever is helping him with these beats, he's probably going to end up leaving them and go solo by himself. And, you know, so there's like a nice little double meaning there, um, you know, and, and, and you know, the, the solo part is both dance floors, meaning obviously he's going to make records by himself without whomever is helping him at this moment. Right. And also talk shows where obviously he's going to be the one promoting, you know, whatever he's putting out. Um, you know, it's not like Beck has ever been a talk show stable, though. Like, it's, it's not like 
he's he's someone that you remember like appearing on Letterman twenty times or something. Like he's always struck me as being like a kind of very shy person. I don't know if maybe that's yeah. just you know his kind of. But like the, the like the I mean even when like Loser was like a huge hit, he seemed very reluctant. I mean he had a song called MTV makes me want to smoke crack. So obviously. He was not one who wanted to like embrace the mainstream. So I think it's interesting that he says here, you know, like he's almost saying, I'm going to go solo and I'm going to make like these hit records and and end up having to go on talk shows and promoting them. Well, I think I think dance floors and talk shows are just like one more thing in the sort of list of gross things to him, though. Like it's yeah. it's to him. It's just like, you know, it's evaporated meats and high tech streets. You know, it's like this. <laughs> It's like you're talking about the the way like there were rap songs that were just like listing expensive things, and it's like he's kind of listing it, like things that are just like a little bit gross and uncomfortable, and then kind of throwing in things that you know maybe other folks would think sound appealing, but by combining them with these other images they become sort of gross by association i feel like yeah and i think obviously with the kind of lisp at the beginning and the fact that the kind of the production on this song kind of almost feels like a sample of a sample of something that you could argue that there is a character that beck is playing here you know like who is the person who aspires for all this stuff um you know i i guess evaporated meat is maybe kind of a kind of hint at something that is so expensive you know, that only kind of very successful people would be able to afford them, um, you know, which kind of just reminds it. But the bit bizarre thing is it just brings to mind uh, when Adam Goldberg, I think, is the actor who was a guest on Friends for like three or four episodes playing uh, Chandler's new roommate. And he kept. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he kept uh, dehydrating things. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, so it made me makes me think of something like that where like evaporated meat is like specially dehydrated meat that like you can then rehydrate later um you, you know. like inhale it yeah just like something super expensive that you don't even realize exists um mm. you know and then of course we have this wonderful i mean probably i mean I, there's so many kind of turns of phrase in this song that you know i would i would have to kind of make a top 10 of my favorite lyrics but i think you know hot dogs no does hot sex in back rows like all of that just sounds terrible. So good, <laughs> like, you know. It's hot dogs and no dos. <laughs> yeah, Ugh, I like. I like. So he's gross. like. He. I, it's kind of like this weird thing of like you know, I don't know. He likes. It seems to be kind of things that almost sound like they're expensive or or exciting. Where you're like, yeah, of course I want hot sex in back rows. But then you're like, wait, that do I? Like, what are we talking about? Like, yeah. the back row of a cinema? Like, that's not a pleasant place to experience <laughs> yeah, sex. Like, <laughs> you know, sticky floors and the smell of popcorn. And, like, that's not a pleasant experience. You know, like, and, yeah. you know, I think, obviously, we all know what hot dogs are made of. And, you know, very little of it is actual meat. So it's like, yeah. not, none of this is, is a, an inviting picture, um, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, this and this is this is kind of, you know, this is something that will kind of... This kind of simple rhyme scheme, you know, the kind of nipple, ripple, cripple, triple, you know, beats, meets, streets, uh, you know, that that kind of rhyme scheme will, will keep with most of the verses. Um, and then we get kind of the chorus um, <clears throat> where Beck actually kind of after kind of doing the first verse as a, as a rap, we then get him singing uh, with the backing, you know, backing singers where he sings. I want to know what makes you scream. Be your 20 million dollar fantasy. Treat you real good. Expensive jeans. Expensive jeans. Oh, it's always a great line. Hollywood freaks on the Hollywood scene, and then we get the like the beat kind of syncopates, and 
Beck invites us where he says, touch it real good if you want a piece. Party people know I'm that type of freak. Um, and now, obviously, the, the kind of $20 million fantasy is, it has to be a direct reference to, uh, well, I think it was first um, Jim Carrey who got paid $20 million to do Cable Guy. Um, oh. I know. <laughs> and from then, after that point, I think then, the f- I think it was the following year that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger got $20 million to do Batman and Robin. Uh, it seems mm. like a pattern that if someone gets paid $20 million, the film they are in is not very good. Um, but like $20 million <laughs> seemed to be like the ceiling for what you know successful actors would demand for any films. So when he says your $20 million fantasy, that's what it feels like. That's got to be a direct reference to mm. that. Like That number is too specific to just not be <laughs> not be like... Inter- I mean, yeah, I've never thought about it because it just... Yeah, to me, it's just like just a ridiculously large sum of money, but I didn't even think about what at the time it was sort of, it had an, a, a real sort of connection with. I didn't really ever think about that. Yeah. Well, for many years, $20 million was kind of like the top amount that anyone dare ask for. Um, yeah. And I think even like Johnny Depp, when he did like the three sequels to uh, Pirates, he each one was for 20 million. When he did Alice in Wonderland, it was for 20 million. Like everyone was getting paid 20 mm-hmm. million. And then uh, this year for the two Avengers movies, uh, Robert Downey Jr. got 200 million to, just Yeesh. to do those two films. <laughs> Plus he gets a percentage of the box office. Um, oh my God. And, and I think he got, he got 50 million to do Iron Man 3. So. 20 million now seems like a, a small sum, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, and this is where we're introduced to the title of the song, which is, of course, is Hollywood Freaks. And he says, on the Hollywood scene. So, um, you know, if everything that's been outlined here is the Hollywood scene, you know, talk shows, dance floors, hot dogs, sex in back rows, you know, <laughs> um, champagne and people tweaking your nipple. If any of that appeals to you, that is apparently the Hollywood scene. And then we get this, inv- like these, these, I mean, when the beat changes and it kind of syncopates and, and Beck sings, touch it real good if you want a peace party, people know I'm that type of freak. I kind of like, that's probably my favorite kind of couplet in this song, just because of the way Beck sings it in a kind of a way that kind of feels a little kind of like sleazy. And you're like, I, I don't want to. I don't really want to touch it, Beck. I don't know. Yeah. It's not appealing in any way to me, but by that point in the song, you're like, if this is what we're going to have to go through, I do not really want to touch it real good. Um, But, uh, you know, (laughs) the thing is as well, is Beck is so charming that he doesn't make it seem, like, it doesn't seem that sleazy. It just kind of, like, the way he sings it, I find it a little bit charming, but at the same time, you're like, I I don't think this is anything that I want to kind of get involved with. Um, you know that that uh that party people too. I never again. It's just like I've heard this song so many times that these lyrics almost sound normal to me. But uh, I'm just thinking of that probably is directly comes from Whoop. There it is, don't you think? The like <laughs> yeah. like party on party people. Let me hear some noise. Like <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like they say party people multiple times in that song. Uh, I mean, I'd have to double check in the lyrics, but yeah, it does. It does it, like it does feel like the, there are a couple of references in here that I guess would feel dated were it not for the fact that this song and a lot of this album is so kind of timeless. Um, you yeah. Know, that y- y- otherwise, you'd be like, oh, well, that's got to be a direct reference to this, or but, but in this case, it's like, well, it probably is, but at the same time, it just it works with the song so well. Um, yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, the, what I like as well is after delivering those lines. Beck immediately drops back into his rapping voice to say, people look so snooty, take pills, make them moody. 
automatic bazooty, zero to tutti frutti. <laughs> now, the, now I, I, in some places on the internet, people feel like that the second line of that couplet, the take pills make them moody, is possibly a Scientology reference. Um, you know, I was thinking that myself here. <laughs> yeah. I was actually, as I was looking at it just now, I kind of had the same thought. I was like, "Oh, is this a little bit of Beck Scientology creeping through?" Yeah, I, I, I like you know. Obviously, I uh, I feel like Beck kind of gets a pass for being a Scientologist because he's not. He does. He's not really. He's not. A, he's not like a you know a, a first generation Scientologist. He's actually his parents were Scientologists. Yeah. So he was brought up in the church. So I've you know. I've, I've never heard him be particularly vocal about the church, so I guess it's, you know, I, I guess most people are like, well, you know, he's back. You know, what can you say? <laughs> like, he just... But, like, wasn't his his wife, the, their parents were both also Scientologists, yeah. and, like, they were, like, childhood friends and stuff through the church, I think. Yeah, and his wife is uh, is Marissa Rabisi. Rabisi, Giovanni yeah. Rabisi's sister. So Giovanni Rabisi yeah. is his... Uh, is his bro- is his brother-in-law and the the weirdest thing is uh i mean for those who don't know who beck's wife is she was in dazed and confused and mm. uh at one point i think i think matthew mcconaughey pulls up in a car next to her with um with uh rory cochran and uh i believe he says at one point red is a good color on you uh to matthew mcconaughey <laughs> and uh, <laughs> which is which is so weird because it's like I don't like ev- literally everyone. Everyone involved in that scene is, in fact, Adam Goldberg is in that scene with uh, Marissa Rabisi. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And where is that? Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, you know, obviously Scientologists don't believe in a lot of crazy things. They believe in more crazier things, but they're not. They're not fans of psychiatry and people taking drugs. So this kind of take pills make them moody. It's it's a it's a small throwaway line. So I mean, the fact that he follows it with, with automatic bazooty zero to tutti frutti. I feel like people should focus more on that than the maybe one small Scientology reference in the song. Um, you know, obviously, yeah. you know, zero to tutti frutti being a, a kind of weird mix of this kind of like zero to 60 and obviously a reference to the song tutti frutti. Um, you know, which I, I don't know. I like, I don't feel like there's any kind of like little Richardness in this song, but it feels like maybe little Richard would have been something that Beck would have been listening to in preparation. Because I feel like, there's a lot of songs on this album which rely entirely on Beck, Beck's kind of delivery of them. And I, I feel like, you know, Little Richard is an artist whose delivery of most songs succeeds over the lyrical content of them. <laughs> um, so maybe there's a little bit of that influence in him there. Um, you know, and of course he says, Sex in the Halls, Niagara Falls. Local shopping malls receive anonymous calls. Just like, again, a whole bunch of, <laughs> a whole bunch of simple rhymes. I mean, after you've had Snooty, Moody, Bazooty, Fruity, which... Is probably the weirdest kind of set of rhymes in this song. The way he delivers yeah. the sex in the halls, Niagara Falls, local shopping malls receives of anonymous calls. He's anonymous he has calls. he has to speed that line up as well because he's slightly behind the beat and as he's getting yeah. to the end of the line, he's running out of space before the next line's coming. So he kind of has to speed up the words receive anonymous calls, which is you know I I think I don't know. There's so many different things that I love about this album, but I do like when occasionally Beck feels like he's maybe slightly behind where he needs to be and he's just like receiving anonymous calls he's like just quickly you just got to get the line out before it gets to the next bit um but yeah i'm not even 100 percent sure what on earth sex in the halls niagara falls has to do with anything um no you know and i don't think like i mean i don't even know why 
you know, local shopping malls receive anonymous calls. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, I guess people were prank calling shopping malls in the nineties. Uh, was that I, a thing? I don't think it. Uh, yeah, I think it's just again, it's like it's just a part of the series of images that collectively make up this kind of weird, messed up world he's painting. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just like Sex in the Halls, Niagara Falls. It's like, it's kind of like something this like beautiful thing people go to visit niagara falls next to like sex in the halls like it's just it's it's kind of a weird collage of of images to me and then even like local shopping malls receive anonymous calls like i don't even know if that's meant to be like one idea like or two separate ideas like local shopping malls is one is just another thing on the list and then like you receive anonymous calls like i don't know if there's like an implied person who's receiving the anonymous calls like i don't know if it even matters yeah i mean it could be that this is you know this is a little bit of you know what is going on in hollywood you know people taking pills um you know automatic bazooti i guess if you want to kind of have that as like kind of casual sex that fits in with the kind of sex in the halls part niagara falls maybe you're on tour and you get to see niagara falls but you know you're also going to be doing shopping malls, much like, you know, Tiffany would in, in the 80s. Um, and then receive anonymous calls. I guess once you're famous, people will kind of, you know, bother you quite a lot. So maybe it ties into that. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think that, like, the idea of just, like, the the Niagara Falls is, like, almost a sort of, like, travel destination is sort of, like, a, a luxury thing. But then it's, like, that's sort of almost the funny part of it is that, like, Niagara Falls is not, like... A place most people would really probably brag about going because it's like it's niagara falls like it's yeah. like everyone's been to niagara like it's not it's like sort of a joke almost on like it, it, you know you're like oh man we, we're out here at niagara falls like it's like not like it's not a place you would like brag about like it's not that cool like it's just like yeah you know like your parents take you there when you're a kid it's kind of like almost the way he uses like Hyundai's in this album to be like yeah. <laughs> like bragging about like this like very affordable car. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um and then we have um I I guess maybe this is a bit of description of you know who you will be dating where he says hot like a cheetah neon mamacita eat at tankeria pop like in beats from korea. That is a hard line to say. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I mean, I guess like Hot Like a Cheetah, Neon Mamacita, these are just kind of general descriptions that he's putting on. But I do like, I do like the idea that like Pop Locking Beats almost feels like a weird kind of reference because obviously, um, you know, the Dust Brothers, uh, there was, a, there was actually a different group called the Dust Brothers. Chemical Brothers. Well, yeah. they, they were forced to change their name to Chemical Brothers and, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. And for, and for the album... Uh, where they changed their name, they called it Exit Planet Dust, um, you know, which is a nice uh. subtle reference. And they did do a song called Block Rocking Beats. So I find it interesting that there's a reference here essentially to the other Dust Brothers when, you know, yeah. when, you know, uh, when the, the Dust Brothers are producing this track. Um, but also he, he changes it from Block Rocking Beats to Pop Locking Beats, which, of course, makes it, you know, an eight, 80s reference. Um, and like, yeah, like popping and locking. Yeah. yeah, and also he then he then also re- I don't know why Korea. Like I don't know if during the eighties <laughs> there was like a whole bunch of people who who popped and locked from Korea, like if that was a thing. But again, I don't know. Yeah, um, and then he says looking like jailbait. I I mean I'm not quite sure who's referencing there, but 
Uh, selling lots of real estate, looking like a hot date, banging like an 808. I like the selling lots of real estate because, again, he has this uh. kind of like... There's these lofty goals of having this like neon mamacita and eating at Tanqueria. But then he's like selling lots of real estate. <laughs> it's like, you've got to make money. Like you might want the glamorous lifestyle, yeah. you know, you might want to be getting paid 20 million a picture or something. But on the side, you probably want to start selling some real estate because, you know, the real estate market is generally seen as being quite solid. Yeah, there's a lot of moments in Beck lyrics and this album is so good at it where it's like almost like the real world and the fantasy world of 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 the music are kind of colliding and that's one of those to me where it's like you know like looking like a hot date and looking like a jail looking like jail bait like seem like these cool rap things to say but like selling lots of real estate <laughs> like it just like like i guess you could say it as like yeah i'm making money but there's just something about it that sounds so lame too like like a real estate salesman is just like <laughs> yeah we have this image in our, our mind that is not like does not coincide with the sort of world of rap music and like the cool rap uh persona well i mean in this particular like when he's saying selling lots of real estate around this time uh within months of this album coming out uh, American Beauty was a huge hit at the cinema and obviously won a number of Oscars the following year. And in that, you have, uh, you know, Kevin Spacey's wife, played by Annette Benning, um, is having an affair with the dad from the OC, and they're both real estate agents. <laughs> so that's that's all it makes me think of when they're saying, you know, like looking like a hot date selling lots of real estate. It just makes me think of estate agents cheating on their husbands and wives, um, you know, in <laughs> hotels or, or in or in some of the homes they're trying to sell. You know, I don't know. Um, and then, of course, he says banging like an 808, which, of course, is a reference to the, you know, the drum machine. Um, you know, obviously, a, a later rapper would make an album that featured the word 808 in the title. But we won't talk about him because he's gone a little bit crazy. Um, yeah. And then we go back to the chorus and we get, you know, uh, the, you know, tell me, tell me what makes you uh, scream. Um, I want to be your 20 million dollar fantasy. So uh, and then we get this kind of weird little bridge thing, which um Beck sings the first time and then later on it's done by a robot of some kind where he sings, do you want to feel this? Which I think obviously it comes off the end of the kind of chorus, which is the, you know, touch it, touch it real good if you want a piece. Um, so it's it's kind of, but I don't know, I, there's this nice little double meaning because obviously the kind of touch it real good if you want a piece. When he asks, do you want to feel this? He could be saying, you know, uh, his genitalia in this particular reference or... He could be talking about the beat, having also just spoken about banging like an 808, which again also has a double meaning in there as well. Um, so there's, you know, there's a yeah. few little layers of kind of double entendre going on within within these kind of you know last few lines. And then the most puzzling line I feel to anyone oh. under the age of I don't know what I would say now. So good. Well, under the age of like 30, maybe would probably have no idea what on earth this was. This is all about. And I don't. I mean, I yeah, I'm probably I'm I'm 37, and it's probably like I'm just at the right age where <laughs> I know who Norman Schwarzkopf is. I feel like any younger than me are probably like pushing it. Probably under 35 would be a little puzzled by this. Yeah, I think even anyone over 35 might be a little bit puzzled by this because yeah, maybe somebody. Uh, would. I mean, the whole line is puzzling, but yeah, yeah. out of nowhere, Beck scream. He doesn't kind of sing. He kind of he kind of <laughs> shouts it. He shouts, Norman Schwarzkopf, something tells me you want to go home. And, and I don't know if it's just, I mean, obviously Norman Schwarzkopf, you know, he commanded Operation Desert Storm, um, which I, I, I always find it weird when people kind of talk about that because it's like, it wasn't a challenge. Like, the Iraqi army basically gave up after a couple of hours. Like, I, I could have commanded Operation Desert Storm. 
with all those guys, I could have stood out there and been like, let's go attack the Iraqis. And the Iraqis basically just gave up in Kuwait. So, you know, like, and, and even at this point, you know, like th- that happened eight years before this album came out. So, oh, yeah, you know, it is not current events. Yeah, Norman Schwarzkopf, yeah. I don't even know what Norman Schwarzkopf was doing, you know, at this particular time, like in 1999. Like, it's not like, you know, he, he wasn't like, um, you know, like, I don't know that he'd entered politics or anything like I that. I don't think so. You no, know, like, I think... I mean, I don't feel like he was in the news at all. Like, I don't remember Norman Schwarzkopf's name being spoken of really after the war. I mean, when, when during Desert Storm, you know, I was a kid, and so I was getting very, like, you know, the kind of, like, gay, go America view of it. Um, but it, it was... I mean, he was treated like sort of a like a, a war hero here, you know, and, 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 but he was just sort of, and he was, he was sort of a nice, likable guy too. Like he always seemed like, Oh, he seems like a nice guy. So I think that was the image too of, but he was just this like sort of doughy guy too. So I think that's sort of funny too. Cause he's a sort of like chubby older man with gray hair. So again, it's just like such a weird image and such a funny person. And he has a really funny name, Norman Schwarzkopf. Yeah. Uh, well, 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 here's the, here's the, here, like, I mean, Norman is his middle name as well. That's the weirdest. Although saying that, there is, there is a tradition of Americans who, for some reason, refer to by their middle name. I guess in this case, yeah. because he was Herbert Norman Schwarzkopf Jr. So I guess his dad yeah. was probably referred to as Herbert. Herbert. So that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but he was, he was nicknamed Stormin' Norman, for those people who do not remember the Gulf War. Uh, and that was, his, that was the end of his service. He'd been in the military since 1956. And, you know, he gradually kind of risen throughout the ranks. And, you know, he was basically in charge of, uh, you know, I think he was the at the top of the command, uh, you know, in 1991. And, you know, that was his final kind of tour was in Iraq. Um, you know, he died of uh, complications from pneumonia in 2012. Um, but after, you know, after the Gulf War, I don't recall hearing very much, you know, from him. Like, no, I, you know, me neither. I, I, I mean, I, I, you know, he would occasionally, I think, cop, you know, be on, you know, like CNN or something, kind of commenting on something to yeah, do with probably. war, but, probably, but not like kind of, uh, you know, anything overwhelming. Um, you know, apparently he... He's kind of, like, I feel like this line is almost funny because he doesn't have any sort of like there's no like scandal or anything attached to him yeah in the, in the way like oh and like there's no like kind of fall for grace or anything he's, he's almost like sort of a sort such a normal person that it's so funny that he gets called out here i think as well like you could like this could work with basically any kind of commander of the u.s army you could kind of fit colin powell in here yeah. And just yell something tells me we want to go home. And it would probably fit. Yeah. Like there's not none of these military yeah. guys ever kind of look super comfortable in front of the cameras. They kind of always yeah. look a bit like, I really <laughs> don't want to be here, but I've got to do this. Um, you know, but yeah, there's I mean, uh yeah, so it's I, I don't know, it's it's a wonderful line just because just the fact that he just shouts the words Norman Schwarzkopf in the middle of this song that's called <laughs> Hollywood Freaks. Like uh, you know, the song is called Hollywood Freaks. There's there's nothing like Hollywood about Norman Schwarzkopf. That's the that's the great no, thing. No, no. Um, you know, and he he brings back champagne here. He says champagne, Bibles, custom clothes you own, uh, calling up from special area codes, and then you know, <laughs> which again like this kind of mixing of like expensive drinks, but then Bibles, which you know, that you can get Bibles anywhere. Like 
you know, it, it's it, they're so kind of prevalent. There's nothing special about them. Like it's it's so kind of right. it, it's so kind of mundane. Um, you know, and of course, one of the rare times in this song where he actually kind of makes an explicit Hollywood reference, apart from the you know twenty million dollars, where he says Hollywood notes with the Hollywood phones, uh, which I guess is you know executives trying to you know give you notes on certain films. Um, you know, and he says, I got nothing. I've always heard this until I've read it just now. I've always heard this line, Hollywood nuns. Okay. With the Hollywood fans. <laughs> so in my mind, when I'm ra- I was like, it was a much weirder image to me. Cause I always imagined these like nuns on the phone. <laughs> so, and in this song, it's like, why not? You know, like that would make as much sense as Norman Schwarzkopf. Let's put it like that. Right, exactly. Yeah, uh, it's actually actually it's funny because I always heard champagne bottles, custom clothes you own, just because your mind wants to naturally connect bottles with champagne. To champagne. Yeah. That d- so I've never heard Bibles <laughs> at all in this song. But I, I mean, I mean, I guess this is our only kind of maybe oblique Prince thing where custom clothes you own. Obviously, Prince, you know, famous for having a tailor on staff who would make his clothes. So, you know. I, I guess that's the kind of only really Hollywood indulgence that Prince ever did was, um, you know, have custom clothes. But then again, due to his size, it would be hard to find clothes that fit him if they that's weren't true. being made for him. So it's not an indulgence. It's a necessity. Uh, and he, <laughs> he says, I got nothing to do, nowhere to go. I'll tell you I'll tell you what you want if you want to know. Um, and then he gives uh, he gives this really weird picture where he says satin sheets, tropical oils. Ugh. Turn up the heat till the swimming pool boils. Boils. Which is like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I love that as kind of like a, a sign of how, um, you know, rich he is. It's like, yeah, if all the water boils away from my pool, I don't care. That's how rich I am. Like, but, you know. Well, it's also to me, it's just like a really, again, it's like that kind of the point where the song is like, has these like weird, like scary undertones to it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, and it, it starts out as this sexy thing. It's, again, the, like, mix of sexy and scary, like, satin sheets, <laughs> tropical, tropical oils. oils, turn up the heat till the swimming pool boils. Like, you know, you, you, you don't, like, think about, like, all of a sudden it's, like, people being, you know, cooked in the swimming pool. Like, it, it becomes, like, an image of hell or something, right? Yeah. Like, also, it's almost maybe this whole song is, like, Turning Hollywood into some sort of like Hieronymus Bosch version of hell, basically. <laughs> I mean, also, it's very expensive to heat pools. Like that is, you know, yeah, if you're going to heat yeah. them to the point where you're when you're boiling things, I mean, that's a, it's an extravagance, quite frankly. And then, of course, he says, "Let all the neighbors read about it in the paper." Sorry, let all the neighbors read it in the papers, making all those gentlemen cry realistic tears. And he just kind of hangs yeah. on those those that last word for just a second before going back into the chorus uh, one last time. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know, like the kind of, uh, you know, let all the neighbors read it in the papers, I guess, you know, like uh, that's how most people will get the news about anyone who's famous, isn't it, is in the papers. I mean, yeah, I guess yeah. these days for anyone under 30 something, we'll have to explain that papers are, you know, uh, current events that are printed on, on paper and put through people's doors. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I yeah, and then of course we get to kind of like, the weird boasting again, where he says, "Jockey, my Mercedes, probably have a have my baby shop at Old Navy. He wish he was a lady." But he's he, again, it's done in like this kind of shouting, like kind of not the same as the Norman Schwarzkopf, but done instead with like a weird accent. So the whole kind of like yeah, shop at Old Navy. Uh, you know, I guess obviously he's a little kind of puzzling 
to anyone who's not American because I don't think Old Navy exists outside of America. Oh, it doesn't. Well, again, Old Navy is like incredibly affordable. So it's like, it's so like mid-level. Like, so it's not, it's like another kind of thing like you're bragging about like, it's i mean the mix of mercedes and old navy is just totally incongruous or you know it's like instead of bragging about louis vuitton or tom ford you're bragging about old (laughs) navy and it's like man you can go to old navy and buy like shorts for five dollars you know like it's just like so ridiculously cheap and cheaply made and and so it's like it's such a funny thing to say in this song, like old navy yeah and a few years before this song came out old navy was purchased by gap um so yeah. you know, it's not it's not even as if uh old navy is like its own independent like affordable brand it's part of a larger um kind of yeah and it's like if you think of like gap as like an affordable brand like old navy's cheaper than gap too. yeah so like yeah so it's it's like a notch below Gap. <laughs> well i'd say in the 90s as well the gap at least had a certain level of kind of cachet whereas i don't yeah. i feel like that's something that would be missing from a, a store like old navy I mean, it's called Old Navy, for Christ's sakes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you put old in the title, you can never expect to be, um, you know, kind of hip or young or anything. It's like you're automatically making yourself old. Um, now, the kind of, I mean, the couplet, the other couplet that is in there, which is, which rhymes, is the probably have my baby. He wish he was a lady. Now, I'm not sure who the he is. Um, and I'm not quite sure yeah. if there's a specific person Beck was thinking about when he was referencing this. Um, but you know, and and the thing is as well, even in the kind of, you know, 1999, I don't think, um, you know, people, uh, kind of, I don't know how to phrase it, but like changing their gender was much of a thing. Like, I, I I can't even think of anyone in 1999 that this was kind of prominently would have been in the news. I guess it's just, again, it's probably just one of these nonsense phrases that, that Beck is shouting in this song. Yeah, yeah, no, I think, yeah, I don't think it was probably, it was, obviously it was, it was a thing, but I don't think it was certainly not like a hot news topic or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, this line kind of did strike me as a little like, huh, like it was one that made me kind of go like, is this like, is this sort of like a little bit of a laugh at the expense of a trans person? Like, yeah, probably it is. Like, it's probably yeah. a line that doesn't age well for me. And I, I did kind of have that same thought. Like, is this kind of gross? Like, I mean, I kind of have the same thought about the whole song. And on some level, too, I go like, is this song kind of racist? Like, <laughs> is this song just sort of like all basically him making fun of rap music? Like, and and I think it might be on some level. Like, I, I don't, I still really like it, but I think there is a little bit of like, when I've been thinking about it here and, and as I was listening to it, like even actually bringing up the, the, the Scientology part of it, there is a little bit of this song that is like, it's, it's all very above it, right? Like, Oh it's, yeah. It's looking yeah. kind of down its nose <laughs> at everyone else. And, and so there is like a certain sort of smugness to this song that while still hilarious to me, like, I think there's kind of an ugliness to it that I, I have to admit is there. And I, I still love it, but yeah. I have to admit it. I was going to say, like, kind of re listening to this a few times yesterday and kind of get into that line. I was, yeah, this doesn't, like, I don't, I don't know if when if Beck were to perform this song today, he would sing that line because it does feel a little bit like it's poking fun 
And yeah. whereas the rest of the song feels like it's kind of an affectionate parody of the style of rap, it doesn't feel yeah. it, like it. You're right. It does feel like the Hollywood freaks other people Beck is looking down on. You know, in, so, yeah. in some of his songs, Prince refers to freaks as the people that Prince identifies with. Whereas here, Beck is clearly he's clearly at a distance from everything that is going on here. He's not selling any yeah. of this as something he wants to take part in. Like this is this is something that is kind of you know he's he's removed from and i think the final the final line of the song kind of gives that away the most um you know but then we have you know we have the kind of the computerized do you want to feel this repeated a couple of times and then as we go to the outro we have this kind of thing where he talks about you know dance floors all the talk shows hot dogs no dos hot sex in back rows you know and he's he's like kind of he's restating some of the earlier things in the song um again you know, Beck feels like the kind of person who, if you were to offer him, like, you know, if you were on the streets of New York and offered him a hot dog from a hot dog stand, you'd probably be like, no, thank you very much. <laughs> like, if he feels like the kind of person who would be like, no, I don't want to eat that stuff. Like, it does feel like he's slightly <laughs> yeah. out of remove from it. You know, but then he says, you know, Hyundai Dodge tricked out, Christmas in July, <laughs> 6 foot 2%. That apparently is a direct reference to a, like, an, an ad that used to run for the Hyundai Dodge. Um, you know, and it would say, you know, like, because they would sell it in the summer and it would be like, you know, Christmas in July and they 6.2% yeah. apparently was the APR that was quoted on those loans. That's a very specific reference, <laughs> but it's still, it's still kind of, it still feels like it fits with the rest of this song, you know, because this is a song where you've just had people yelling about Norman Schwarzkopf and, you know, talking about champagne and Bibles and, you know, so, so like it just it just feels like a, a series of random words, but apparently it is a very specific advert to a, a you know, very specific reference to an advert, um, you know, and he says, you know, you're feeling the place. And then we get this kind of yeah, which, you know, a really kind of and then he, he again, he restates a couple of earlier lines saying to de fruity um, and there's a bit of an echo on his voice and he says automatic bazooty. And then as he finishes the song, he says the phrase, yeah, I'm mixing business with leather. Which, of course, is, you know, it that itself is a reference to mixed business from earlier in the album. And also it's a reference to, you know, mixing business with pleasure. So that that and then the laugh makes me feel like that final line is, is Beck kind of almost kind of taking the mickey a little bit um, and showing how far the remove he is. You know, he's like he's able to kind of essentially quote himself in the final line and be like, you know, I'm just I'm just messing here. This is not really serious. You know, he, I mean, he literally l- finishes the song laughing. <laughs> so, so there's no yeah. there's no clearer sign that he's not taking this seriously, um, and that he is basically better than whatever he, whatever he's outlining here. This Hollywood lifestyle. It's clear that Beck is like I'm better than whatever this is. You know, keep your champagne and your Bibles and you know your you know <laughs> you're selling lots of real estate and you know he's like keep all that i'm you know i don't really need i don't really need any of that um and th- that final line the kind of laughter as well kind of does make me feel like he is a bit at a remove from the whole thing I, I, like i said i think there is like a little bit of smugness in it like i i don't but i still also i probably felt that kind of smugness myself when i was <laughs> when this album came out so it's really hard for me to like disconnect from that because i feel like yeah, it definitely had a little feeling of superiority as well in all of these ways. And even, like, thinking about, like, the way I looked at the sort of sexuality of people in, in movies and TV. And, and basically, like, it all struck me as so absurd and silly and ridiculous and just being like, 
Ugh, this is all just so gross. So this, like, <laughs> this, so, like, and basically not even realizing at the point, like, yeah, because it was all, like, straight. And, like, I didn't, wasn't really into that. <laughs> like, didn't understand. Like, I, I, I spent a lot of time, like, I realized that I had this real skepticism about, like, pop culture and stuff when I was younger and looking at the kind of relationships that were presented to me in television and movies and, and like, you know, uh, teen movies where kids go to the prom and it was always such a joke to me and I was like man why does anyone take this seriously and then I was like oh yeah because like for them it's like a real thing like it's not for me like I don't I have no skin in this game at all um so yeah like that kind of weird like be feeling like a little bit of an outsider I think appealed to me when this album came out and so it's super it still super resonates with me and I can't, I don't think I would ever be able to divorce that from looking at it. Like I, I will always have that kind of connection with it in the way that you do with music that you first heard and experienced when you were 18, like I did here. Yeah. I mean, it's worth saying, you know, when Beck recorded this album, he was, you know, 29 and this, this mm. does feel like the kind of detached statement of a 29 year old. Like this is someone in their twenties who's basically too good for it all. Um, and you yeah, know, there's, there's, yeah a, totally. there's a couple of other tracks on here, you know, on this album that have that similar feeling. Um, but I feel oh, like yeah. this is one of those cases where the title of it, Hollywood Freaks, is even that is a judgment from from Beck. Oh yeah, where, yeah. where he's like, I don't want any part of that. Like those those people, they're Hollywood freaks. Like setting himself aside it, from it, you know. Yeah, but there's like kind of a double meaning to it as well because it's like you know like it's it's freaks in the sort of like hey like you know todd browning freaks but then it's also freaks and like you a freak you know like yeah. you sexy but he's kind of conflating the two and sort of like again i, I think presenting it as like some sort of <laughs> nightmarish hellscape <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh i would say for me though still uh five out of five <laughs> oh absolutely absolutely no totally i was i mean it's one of my favorite songs on the album like it's absolutely a five out of five for me too yeah. like when i first heard this album i i mean this song was like one of the first ones that popped out to me and i was just like i mean i just remember dying laughing when it started and i just i like, couldn't believe what i was hearing like it was just so audacious and crazy and and even like the idea of like that parody song I, you know, I, I just really like it. I was thinking a lot about it, too, in the sort of it's it's almost like to me a continuation of, of like Frank Zappa doing sort of doo-wop songs. This is like Beck doing rap songs in this style or sort of like mainstream rap songs because he's done a lot of rap, really. I mean, to say like Beck, Beck has always used the vocabulary of rap in a lot of his music like that's that's always been there. But this is so like produced in a way that sounds like main street, mainstream rap from the time. Um, and it just reminded me a lot. I was thinking about it today of like, oh, this is kind of like those Frank Zappa doo-wop songs, you know, where where he's sort of like, I'm going to take on this style and poke fun at it. Um, but you also get the impression that he's totally having a good time doing it, too, <laughs> because he's like also just sort of enjoys making those types of songs. Yeah, I, so. I think the funny thing is, like, if you like speaking about Frank Zappa, I feel like Frank Zappa himself, you know, had he been like 10 years younger, probably would have just been in a doo-wop group at some point himself. Like, yeah, like probably, that, that, you yeah. know, like that. It's just it's just he was born at an age where he was old enough to kind of take the mickey out of it. And I feel like it's the same with yeah. Beck. Like, had he not been like 
you know, a a pale white Scientologist, and he had been born slightly <laughs> different. Let's say I, I get. I think it, it fits that he would have been a rapper. Like he's he's so good at doing it, even as just like a parody, that it's like yeah. he's obviously he's he's using it as like a framework to kind of say something. But at the same time, it's still just a really fun rap song. <laughs> like you know. Yeah. So and even like and you know even my like little criticism there about it being like you know sort of mean spirited. I think it's still to me what makes it so great and why I love it so much still is that that way you know that I keep kind of describing it as this pastiche, this kind of collage of images. It's so abstract in a weird way in that it, it that kind of criticism isn't over the top or like it's not that. I don't know. It's not um, heavy-handed, I guess, because it's it's coming through in images instead of just direct bitching or something. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I was gonna say, like, you know, aside from the title with the you know the Hollywood freaks thing, it is just a lot of weird imagery and kind of yeah. You know, he's he's not saying these things are bad. He's just giving you the the kind of the imagery, and you have to kind of be like this doesn't sound appealing. <laughs> like yeah, and I mean, I think that's why though, like. I think, you know, why we still have that sort of feeling about the he wish he was a lady line. Yeah. Is be- because we do understand on some level that, like, he is being critical of these things in this world that he's presenting. And so it sounds like when that comes up, it gets lumped into that same category of criticism. Yeah. And, like, man, these people are crazy. Um, and I think so in, in the kind of understandings we have now about trans people it just comes across as really like ooh that's that's really kind of insensitive and short-sighted of you yeah 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 well i feel like we said about as much as we can about the hollywood freaks uh yeah so probably <laughs> <laughs> so let's see we've let's... We're like yeah about an hour of it so far <laughs> i mean you can probably cut some of that out but yeah we've said about an hour of things about a Probably a song that's less than five minutes. <laughs> so uh, let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug, Russell? Sure. Uh, listen to my uh, podcast, Art Palace, uh, from the Cincinnati Art Museum. And then you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Russell Irig. And I also have a new Instagram account uh, for my drawings called Irig Illustration. And you can, of course, hear me uh, regularly on Prince Track by Track. I am the host of that. You can find that on Facebook and uh, you can also find it on Twitter at Prince Podcast, or you could, of course, email me. Uh, I'm not going to give the email address because I feel people know it by now, uh, especially as I don't really want you to email me. Uh, so uh, thanks thanks for being my guest here on this side project, Russell. Sure, my pleasure. It's one of my favorite songs. Yeah. And otherwise, goodbye. I got a little bit of sympathy for you, girl. Because yeah. I'm a... I'm a full-grown man, and I'm not a, afraid to, to 